Well, when I was preparing my homily this week, I got a little carried away, so uh, sit back and get comfortable. This might take a while. I have a feeling that I'm kind of annoying to uh, work for. I tend to forget things, uh, which is not good in a number of ways. Memory is important. Memories are important. It is by remembering the past that we either have hope for the future or not. It is often memories that help us determine whether or not we should trust someone. As a computing, computer engineering major, I did not take any human development classes. However, I thought I remember someone saying that the reason a small child cries when mom or dad leaves is because he or she has no concept of time. The only thing that small child knows is the present. It cannot hope but trust that mom or dad will return. It only knows the present. As a child grows older, young children almost have a default to trust. But that trust in some ways is always misplaced. We are all fallen. We all make mistakes. We all do evil. Yes, we are at our core good, for God creates each of us good. However, because of fallen human nature, even though we are good persons, sooner or later we do bad things. Jeremiah in the first reading warns us not to put our trust in human beings. He says not to put our trust in our own strength. And we know this from experience. People tend to disappoint us. Now that all being said, hopefully spouses can trust each other. Hopefully for the most part we can trust our parents. However, when I do marriage prep early on, I make sure that they know that their significant other isn't perfect. Such an expectation could crush someone. However, Jeremiah says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. Jeremiah says a person who trusts in the Lord is like a tree planted beside a stream. Because it has access to water, it does not fear the heat. When heat and drought threaten the tree, it remains green and bears fruit. If we place our trust and hope in the Lord, we will literally have nothing to fear. Even pain isn't to be feared. We can offer up our sufferings to Christ on the cross and help redeem the world. And even death isn't to be feared. If we die, God willing, we are that much closer to eternal life in heaven. Some of us, maybe most of us, will have to stop off at purgatory first, but that's fine. Everyone who is in purgatory eventually makes it to heaven. Jesus says that we must be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And so, if we, so if we haven't rejected God's love and relationship, but we are not perfect, then we spend some time in purgatory being purified. Even our responsorial psalm says, Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Do you place your hope in the Lord? Do you trust and have the hope that today has the possibility of being better than yesterday because God is in control? In the second reading, St. Paul asked the Corinthians where they are placing their trust. Now just a little background, there was a sect of Judaism that did not believe in the resurrection. They were called the Sadducees. The Jewish sect called Pharisees did believe in the resurrection. They did believe in life after death. St. Paul was a former Pharisee, so even before his conversion to Christianity, St. Paul believed in life after death. However, some Christians, maybe former Sadducees, did not believe in the resurrection. 
St. Paul's reminding them how dumb it is to be a follower of Christ and not believe in the possibility of life after death. St. Paul reminds them that Christ rose from the dead. Therefore, it is dumb to believe that there is no possible resurrection of the dead. If the dead are not raised, then neither was Christ raised. And if Christ was not raised, then the whole point of Christianity is dumb. It is fake. St. Paul just said that then your faith in Christ is vain. And even more importantly, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we are not freed of our sins. If there is no resurrection, St. Paul says we Christians should be pitied for being so misled. But Christ has risen from the dead. Christ does free us from our sins. Our hope in Christ is not dumb. Our trust in Christ is not in vain. Christ does love us enough to die on the cross for our sins and rise again that we might have eternal life. Statistics show us that atheism is on the rise. One speaker that I heard recently says that he believes that this is because more and more people are growing up without a father. Atheism follows from being fatherless. We are first a son or daughter before we are a husband or wife or a priest. We need parents, and I believe especially fathers, to show their children what love is. To know that they are unconditionally loved as a son or daughter. Why? Then it becomes much easier for a person to believe that they have a Heavenly Father that loves them unconditionally. If we come to the conclusion that the only person I can trust and hope in is in myself, we are, as the first reading says, cursed. We ourselves are a fallen human being. We cannot completely trust ourselves. Sooner or later we will let ourselves down. We will let others down. We could get a bad grade, we could miss the winning uh, basket, uh, we could fail in a whole number of ways. And what then? If we have put our trust and hope in ourselves, then we can become lost. We can become bitter. We can become saddened. We, we can become vengeful. We can become angry. We can become disillusioned. We can believe that the world is an awful place and that human life has no meaning. If left unchecked, we can become suicidal or even murderous. We might think to ourselves that if my life has no meaning and others' lives have no meaning, then it is okay to take human life. I believe we see this darkness in school shootings and in abortion and other acts of despair of the young. True hope, trust, meaning can only be found in God. Only God is big enough, perfect enough to fulfill our desire for love and meaning. A fulfilling life, a meaningful life, is not found in strictly pleasure and comfort. Rather, fulfillment and meaning are usually found on this side of heaven in sacrifice and suffering. Parents almost naturally sacrifice for one another and for their children. Priests should find fulfillment and meaning in sacrificing for the people of the church. Jesus says in the Gospel, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. It is better to be poor, hungry, and sad, and know that God loves us and that the meaning of our lives is to be in relationship with God, than to be rich, filled, and have a life full of shallow laughter. 
In the end, the, the latter things do not satisfy that DA for authentic, unconditional love. This is why it seems that so many of the super-rich are as unhappy or even, or even more unhappy than we are. As Christians, we know we have a God that can satisfy our deepest desires for authentic, unconditional love. We know that we have a God, we have a Heavenly Father that is big enough, perfect enough, worthy enough of our trust and fit hope. Hope is one of the theological virtues. The other two virtue, theological virtues are faith and love. Without the hope of God, the hope of Jesus Christ, the hope of God the Father, and the God the Holy Spirit, life in a fallen sinful world can become unbearable. That is why MSU needs Jesus Christ. This is why MSU needs to know that they have a Father who will never be absent, who will never condemn them. Again, as St. Paul pointed out in the second reading, Jesus went through a lot of pain and suffering on the cross to bring us the hope of the resurrection. As you know, I was at the Seed Conference last weekend in Rochester, and in his talk, Father Mike said, My brothers and sisters, do not let what Jesus did go to waste in you. Do not let what he did stop with you. We must allow the hope of Jesus Christ, the unconditional love of God the Father, and the fire of the Holy Spirit lead us to trust God with our entire lives. We must not allow what God did to be wasted on us. And then, as 1 Peter 3.15 tells us to do, we must share with others the reason for the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Is this easy? No. The evil one wants to keep people in the darkness. The evil one wants to keep people distracted so that they will either continue to satisfy their deep desires or shallow pleasure, or they will fall into a deep despair. The evil one will protect its lies that making the truth, by making the truth of Jesus Christ seem like a lie. Jesus warns us, Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and insult you, and denounce your name as evil on the account of the Son of Man. Jesus also tells us how we should react to the actions of the evil one. Jesus says to rejoice and leave for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven. Usually I take a moment of silence after I finish the homily. I encourage you during this time uh, of silence to think of one or two people you can share the hope of Jesus Christ with by inviting them to Mass or to a holy hour or to a Bible study or even just to lunch or a coffee. Souls are suffering under the lies of the evil one. They are de in desperate need of the hope of Jesus Christ. As Curtis Bond, the founder of Focus says, it is up to this generation of Christians to share the gospel with this generation of people. Pray and ask the Lord that you may personally know the hope we have in Jesus and the unconditional love of God the Father. Then pray for the courage to share that hope and love with others. I plan on mentioning it a lot more, but several years ago we came up with a kind of tagline for the ministry here at the Newman Center. The tagline is, live differently, live for Jesus. So let us do just that, live differently, live for Jesus.